Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parentingpodcast. There was a mom named Sarah who got a call from her daughter. She was away at college and her daughter moaned over the phone, Mom, I'm sick. What should I do? And Sarah just couldn't believe that her daughter had called home when there were medical facilities and even a drugstore just right down the street. I'm John Fuller, along with Danny Huerta. He's a licensed clinical social worker and is vice president of the parenting department here at Focus on the Family. And today we're going to be discussing how to make sure your teen is ready to succeed on their own and solve their own health issues. Um, We're going to hear a conversation from uh, authors Michael Anderson and Dr. Timothy Johansson. Uh, Jim Daly and I talked about a good system they have to help prepare your child to leave the house. In the book, Jess, do you give age-appropriate two things to work on? Absolutely. Is there a connection there? Yep. So give us a, a snippet of that. You've got the five-year-old loading the dishwasher. What should the 10-year-old be able to do? Well, let's take a 15-year-old who um, is not getting his homework assignments in and not showing up at the time that he's supposed to be home in the evening, the 11 o'clock curfew. Um, those are two big things, but the parents should focus on those things and then forget about his room being clean. Forget him about, you know, vacuuming this or taking the garbage out. And Mike has a, a, some great scripting that he's done with parents on what to say to your kid when you're just working on two things. Mike, maybe you want to share that. Well, yeah. Um, one of the things that I found really troubling to me is how many kids, even in their mid to late teens, mom or dad, are still waking them up in the morning. So I tell parents, it's really hard for your child at 17 to feel like a young man if he's still getting up the same way he did when he was four. And so one of the two things I suggest for them is that we're going to start next Monday. I always give them, tell the child a week from Monday or 10 days from now, there's going to be a new policy, not starting now. (laughs) Parents love starting now. That's a good rule. I'm laughing because that's my habit. And what what I think a lot of parents find is if they give that five, seven, 10-day thing, sometimes it takes care of itself before you ever start. Right. Because the kid knows that they're going to work on that. So you would say to a child, look, you've got about eight things you need to do around the house. But right now you're behind on math and you're not getting up on yourselves. We're going to focus all our attention on that. Those are the next two things you need to learn on your journey towards adulthood. And you're still your job to unload the dishwasher or shovel the sidewalk or whatever it is. But we're going to back off on that because we don't want you to get confused about what we're focusing on. Mm. So you're saying we're going to suspend all other things for right now for you as a child? Not suspend them like you don't need to do them, but But yeah. don't focus on them. We're not going to focus on them because we don't want you, one of your excuses to be, you expect so much of me. We're expecting you to get all your math assignments in and get up on time for the next five weeks. So what happens in the end? So you do this two at a time, one at a time. Maybe you can even squeeze three at a time occasionally. But what happens at the end? What's the benefit? Do you think they really get it? Then you say to your child, I'm so proud of you. I just uh, went online and checked, and all your assignments are in. And nine of the last ten days, you've got up on your own. And so we're going to do this for one more week. Then we're going to drop that off and maybe look for a couple other things for you to work on. (laughs) Would you ever get the response... It's always another couple things, Dad. It yeah. never ends. Well, that's a really that's a really good point. And one of the our parenting approach, we believe you have to convey that you're for the kid. 
And if you don't do that, you're not going to be able to pull it off. Mm -hmm. Too many kids that I see see their parents in it as an adversary. Right. And if you're for them, you'll structure your sentences like this because I know how important it is for you to be caught up in math. I'm going to back off on a couple other things to set you up for success. Mm. That that and is that really feels like grace. Yeah, that really is important for us as parents to capture this topic here, mm-hmm. this very thing. Because again, I think our instincts are to drill in and be punitive rather than to back up and reward on the small things that are going well. So that the child really, so that their sense of well-being and even healthy self-esteem, spiritually speaking, I mean good self-esteem, starts to develop, right? Right. And what I want parents to do is to say to their child, you know, you are just nailing fifth grade. I am so amazed at how you're doing fifth grade. You've got great friends. You've got a great grade point. I'm going to back off a little bit and give you some space. One of the biggest problems I see with kids is when they're making bad decisions, their life doesn't go that much different than when they're making good decisions. Mm. And we really Because of us as parents. Because of us. And it's partly the culture, and it's partly the parents. But we have to make sure that a kid's life goes radically different when they're making bad decisions than good decisions. That's Mm. how we learn. That's the environment. I run into kids all the time that I'll say to them in September, how was your summer? Tell me about the best day of your summer. And they'll say, well, I went to a buddy's cabin and we stole a boat and we did this. And the very night that they made the most bad decisions is the night they had the most fun. Mm. That's a setup for poor learning. Yeah. And I had, my wife and I had three kids of our own and 13 foster kids. And what I always said is, I am not going to sit back and let you fail. But if you are succeeding, I will cheer you on. Hmm. Imagine a 10th grader who gets a message from their parents. You are really doing well in school. You're thriving in life. You've got great friends. We're really enjoying watching you. And we don't really have anything we can think of that we need to work on with you. Can you imagine a 10th grader getting that message from their parents? Well, that's some really good insight from our guests. And uh, Danny, while they were talking more about Uh, kind of the teenage years, let's turn it to the 8 to 12-year-olds. I saw a statistic that said only 8% of parents are confident that their teenager could make a doctor's appointment on their own. They need mom and dad (laughs) to help make that appointment. So what what can we do when the kids are younger, before they're a teenager, like 8 to 12, to help them prepare for things like doctor's appointments? John, 8%. I wonder how many could order a pizza right over the phone. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how many. That'd yeah. be a great stat. Probably they could, do, <laughs> they could do online shopping a lot easier than making an appointment. Right. So eight, eight-year-olds eight can begin to, to set their own alarm clocks. You can be real creative as a parent. But remember, personality makes a big difference. It's not necessarily just age. There are some kids that need more coaching along the way to own their responsibilities and to remember things. So look for ways that are helpful for your individual child to remember things they're responsible for and then follow through as a parent to coach them, to encourage them instead of criticizing them along the way. These are new skills. Be patient with them, but be consistent and persistent. You may have a 12-year-old that is more impulsive, forgets things, and an 8-year-old that's very conscientious and they're almost exactly identical in the way that they handle responsibilities. So it's going to take you as a parent understanding the uniqueness of your child 
and then providing them with tools along the way. And, and I remember asking my son for the first time, hey, you're going you're gonna to order food for us from this restaurant. He said, what, Dad? No, no, I can't do that. And I said, well, what's going to happen? Why are you hesitating on this? And he said, I, I, I don't think I'm going to do it right. And I said, well, how do you know that? Let's try it. And if you don't do it right, then just correct it and, and, and try again. Uh, there's nothing at stake here that's going to really be dangerous for you. So let's do this. I'll be right here next to you. I won't criticize it. I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to be your cheerleader as you do this for what the first time. What you just time. said, I won't criticize, is a crucial point for parents to pick up on. Because you know what? There's a right way to do it, and I'm going to show you the right way. We, we cannot go there, can we? We've got to let them do this and own it and, and just cheerlead. And have fun. This is a, an opportunity to have laughter and play and enjoy the imperfections, take video, take pictures, and laugh at it together because some kids feel there's so much at stake yeah. here. Soften it up and, and, and show that this is an opportunity for growth. Got it. I uh, think you've offered some really good insights. And of course, we heard uh, as well some great observations from Michael Anderson and Dr. Timothy Johansson. Uh, you can find out more about what they have to say about preparing your teen for uh, leaving the house. They've written the book, Gist, The Essence of Raising Life-Ready Kids. And we'll send a copy of that to you today. Just call and make a generous donation of any amount to support the work of Focus on the Family. And we'll thank you for uh, your support by sending that book to you. And this reminder that um, your financial contributions are needed for us to continue uh, producing podcasts like this one to uh, uh, reach out to others with counseling services and resources. And uh, we're hoping you're benefiting from what we have to say in these podcasts. So please give us a call, tell us how we're helping, and donate if you can, and we'll send that book to you. And then stop by the website, which has so many great resources for you. Uh, Danny and his team have a series of articles describing the seven traits of effective parenting. Um, they are applicable to you as a parent, whether your child is just on their educational journey or maybe they're already out of school and on their own. Some really good stuff there. Look for the seven traits of effective parenting at our website, and the link is in the notes. Next time, how you can help your child discover their unique God-given gifts. And for now, on behalf of Danny Huerta and the team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. 